Welcome to the Tag Republic podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. and welcome to another episode of the Talk to Public. I am Carolina Gusic, your host. And today we have a very, very, very amazing guest. A lot of you have asked to me to have him on the podcast. So finally, he's here. Alan Berg, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Carolina? I'm good. Thank you. How is this quarantine treating you? Uh, it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm busier than I thought I would be. Um, I did a, my own webinar a couple of weeks ago, 10 proactive things you can do now to lean in. And I'm telling people all these things they could do that they didn't used to have the time for. And I'm trying to get to my list. <laughs> oh, that, so is that thing is still available? So we can, you know, add a link? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. It's on my website, allenberg.com. And there's a resources page. So allenberg.com slash resources or it's at the top of every page. I've added that all, all of the things we mentioned in there, there are links to different books and what microphone to use and, and different things like that. But, you know, I have my list of things I want to get done. I have another book I thought I'd be halfway through with already now, you know, four weeks into this and I haven't even started it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I've been telling people on my group, uh, give yourself some grace. I know we want to be some super proactive and productive, but also, we are dealing with something that we have never had to deal with. And that right. could, you know, if you're feeling, you know, that you want to take a couple of days off and do nothing, that's also <laughs> fine. I mean, my wife reminded me that the word no is a very, very powerful word, um, except for her. I shouldn't say that to her. <laughs> Smart woman. <laughs> but, yes, and I'm happily married, so I, I understand that. Uh, I shouldn't say we haven't gotten anything done. We've gotten a lot of things done, and it's that's the key is to be productive now is not to try to do it all. It's to try to do something. That's and good. So uh, she's working on a, a custom uh, project for one of my books. So uh, as you know, I've written five books there. There they are conveniently over my head here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of them, the, the sales book here, shut up and sell more weddings and events. I've always wanted to do custom editions, like shut up and sell more wedding photography, shut up and sell more wedding catering. Shut, right. So she's working on going through that book and finding all of the references to any type of business because I wrote it for the industry. So I mentioned officiants and I mentioned caterers and venues and florists and photographers and videographers and I, highlighting that so that I can change all of the references and all of the wording to be for a specific category. Oh, um, that's good. I, I've also gone to my website and something I would encourage everybody listening to do is if you're doing weddings, certainly more than 50% of your website traffic is mobile. And what was really interesting to me is I was consulting with someone the other day, because I, I do website reviews, I do remote consulting, happened to be somebody in Ireland. And I, we looked at his Google Analytics, and I was curious if more people were looking on laptops and desktops since they're at home. <laughs> and his website the same 57% traffic over the last seven days, 30 days, 90 days in a year of mobile. So they're still looking at his website on mobile, not on desktop, even though they're home. So you, you can imagine they're sitting there, you know, doing something like this. And then 
their phone is over here and they're looking at this website for this wedding guy. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, so, there's nothing like the comfort of the couch, right? <laughs> right. And, and they, so what I want everybody to do, which is what I've done is go to your website on mobile because we don't tend to do that. You tend to look at your own website on the big monitor in your office or on your laptop. And what does it look like? You know, what do the photos look like? I, I had somebody two days ago, I'm talking with him and he told me about this new thing that he came up with and he sent me a link. Now I was trying to get out of the house. So I'm talking to him as I'm walking around my neighborhood, you know, socially distanced from my, <laughs> from my neighbors. And I pull it up on my phone and this headline was just huge. It took up like half of the screen. And then there was a form and you ever see one of those where it goes right to the edges of the mobile, mm, right? There's no yes. padding at all. I said, have you looked at this on mobile? I took a couple of screenshots and I sent it to him. And he said, oh man, no, I, I didn't. He's been looking at it on his laptop or on his desktop. So go to your website, look at it on mobile. How many times do you have to scroll until you see the links to the relevant pages, until you see the calls to action, until you see you know, the things that you don't pay attention to because you have the curse of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. You know what you do and where it is. And it's really interesting when I look at sites, you know, responsive design on a, on a website is it will respond to the size of the screen. So this beautiful picture that you, the photographer took, and there's a couple off to the side in this garden. I actually showed this at Wedding MBA last year. There was a beautiful stone wall. There's a bride and a groom. She's got a beautiful dress and they're off to the side. On mobile, they weren't in the picture at all. There was nothing. It, it, it was a wall. And I'm so glad you're mentioning this, even though this is not kind of like what we're going to talk about, but I'm so right. happy you mentioned this because currently I am working on my website. So I am okay. actually working on my website on my computer, and mm -hmm. then I have both my phone and my, t my iPod uh, checking. Right. Like every single change that I make, I go right. and I check. So Well, you know, you can do that on desktop. If you're in Google Chrome, actually all the browsers have it. I tend to use Chrome. If you go to view... And then developer tools, right? Developer tools. Mm -hmm. It will simulate mobile on your desktop. Well, what now, new things I learned today. Now, here's the thing, though. It's not 100% accurate, but it's really close. So you can go and say, show me on an iPhone 10, show me on a Galaxy S5, show me on an iPad, turn it landscape. You can do that. What I found, like I, I have an iPhone uh, 11 Pro. Mm -hmm. So... It shows on the simulation more of the screen than I actually can see. So like probably about the bottom 20%, I really can't see it on my phone, but I can see it on desktop. Okay. But if you do that, you will get a simulation. So at least for a quick look, you don't have to go phone, iPad, phone, iPad. Okay. <laughs> you, you get to go and look and see, hey, how does this work? It's, it's really close. Every other browser has it. If you don't see developer, go to um, help because it's hidden. Right? Oh, okay. Because because typically people like us don't need that, right? We don't need the developer tools with all the coding and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So it hides it. Uh, so if you don't see developer, just go to help, go to developer. It'll, you can say, show it or however it, it's done there. Awesome. You have so much knowledge. And I mean, you're so well known because of all this amazing knowledge that you have. But today I want to talk to you about something that it's a struggle for a lot of photographers. And whether we like to admit it or not, I believe that this is something that everybody should be paying more attention to this and it's how to convert leads into actual clients, right? right? Right. We could have a beautiful website, we could have beautiful work, but if we don't know how to convert people, if we don't know really how to sell, it right. really doesn't matter. 
Right. Like your website is only going to take you so far. There's a lot of like legwork that we need to do as salespeople. Right. And as photographers, sometimes we think that we are just artists. And we are, we're artists. And if people, okay. you know, like our pictures, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that as business owners, we need to start thinking a little bit more in depth about this Ab- thing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. Actually, this book right here is called Why Don't They Call Me? Is <laughs> is eight tips for converting wedding and event inquiries into sales. <clears throat> All and right. And I've spoken about this at conferences around the world. Matter of fact, uh, not last year, the year before I was in Bangalore, India, 300 wedding photographers, they invited me to come and speak at their conference on the business of weddings and events. And I spoke about that. I've spoken about this in uh, Cartagena, Colombia. I've spoken about uh, all over. Um, in Espanol. Uh, I didn't know that you, that you habla Espanol. <laughs> sí, uh, he presentado en cinco países en Espanol. Bueno, muy bien, entonces. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did an Instagram live two Fridays ago with a friend of mine. She's, she's Venezuelan, but she lives in Miami. And uh, I get on this Instagram live and she's speaking Spanish to everybody. She had people from South America, Central America, the U.S. And I was like, oh, my, I guess we're doing this now. And it, it was, a, I did Spanglish. I, I can get to a certain point that I, I did Spanglish, but it's, it's fun to be able to, to do oh, that. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, that was one of the things I did since I've left The Knot. If some people don't know, I was with the company called The Knot, thenot.com. I was vice president of sales. I was there for 11 years. Since I left nine years ago, one of the things that I've done, besides writing five books, is I've taught myself Spanish and in presentado in cinco países. Very impressive. I like I, this. But that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is responding to inquiries. So, so let me set the stage for you here. Okay. By the time you get the inquiry, what has already happened? Well, they've done research, mm-hmm. right? So somebody's done research. So it doesn't matter if they want a picture of their dog, their family, a wedding. It doesn't matter what they want. They've done their research already. Okay. When we do research, we have something that's called the paradox of choice, which is we want to know we've seen all the choices, but when we've seen all the choices, we usually can't decide because it's too many choices. Mm. <clears throat> so I, I'm dangerous when it comes to photography because I was on my uh, college yearbook staff and the newspaper staff taking pictures. My DSLR is hanging up over here. <laughs> And so I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit dangerous. So I, I bought a DSLR because I wanted to have bokeh on my videos when I make promo videos. Okay. And with an iPhone, you can get portrait mode in photography, but not video. So video now you have everything is in focus. I don't want everything in focus. We know that's not supposed to be the case, right? Like right now, your chair behind you or whatever is in focus. It, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be because we're here. My, this stuff shouldn't be in focus. So... I wanted to get do that. So I got the camera. I actually bought a used DSLR, a Canon T5i Rebel, and it came with a, a 35 to 105, and it came with a 50 millimeter prime F2. I was like, great, a prime F2? That's wonderful, except it's not full frame. So I have to stand so far away with this 50, and I bought the T5i because the, the screen flips around completely forward so I could see it, except mm-hmm. I'm so far away I can't see it. So I shopped for a 35 millimeter prime lens. I wanted to get a 35 millimeter F2. Okay. You just start going down a rabbit hole because there's so many choices. And what do I need? This one, that one. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't do this for a living, right? Yes, I can buy the, you know, the, the, the cheaper Chinese lens, whatever. I'll buy it new, not used this way. You know, the optics are at least clean. And you know what? If there's a flaw in it, nobody's going to know because it's just me shooting a promo video, right? Mm-hmm. But what should have been a five minute, oh, that's what I need, go buy it, was three days, right? 
and you know how that is. Yes, 100%. <laughs> right. So the same thing with the light and the same thing with the other thing. Ah, I'm going crazy. That's what people go through when they shop for you, the paradox of choice. Once they get down to start eliminating choices, and this is like, what is it? What is Tinder? Swipe left is the bad one or something. <laughs> I don't know. I've been married for 17 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been married way longer than that. So yeah, it, it is swipe left. Somebody told me that. So, But what they've done is they said, no, no, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no. Right? That's what mm -hmm. they're doing. And when they reach out, they've already eliminated almost all of your competitors. Okay. Now, why did they eliminate them? There's a few reasons. One is they didn't like what they saw. Another could be it was uh, maybe uh, if you're on wedding wire or the not, you didn't have enough recent reviews or you didn't respond to your review. There's something there, right? Uh, maybe it was price, right? If you have a price range, that's good. I don't want people reaching out that can't afford you because you want to get better leads. And I've had many of these conversations with people saying more is not better. You'll have more time to spend with the right leads if they have an idea already that they can afford you, right? So that's a whole right. other discussion. Next time you have me on, we'll talk about price. <laughs> All right. Actually, we will talk about it a little bit here because how to, how to respond. So they've eliminated most of the, the choices. They like what they've seen. They want to find out if what they think is true, which is, I like your pictures. Do I want you to be my photographer? And, and I'm going to tell everybody this. You are not the only one that takes beautiful pictures. And by the time they've reached out to you, you are in a small group of people that they like the photos they've seen. And they like the photos they've seen, now they wanna find out more about you. And this is the biggest mistake I see on most photographers' websites, too many photos, not enough about the experience, okay. not enough about the results. And the results are not beautiful photos, right? That's a means to an end. The results are how they feel when they look at the photo, how they feel when they show the photo. Yeah. I show my wedding photo from over 30 years ago to somebody and people, not, not just photographers, like, oh, that's beautiful, right? They're feeling an emotion. That's what we paid for over 30 years ago, right? That's what you, 17 years ago, you want to look at that picture, show it to someone and have them go, oh my God, right? They're transported there, right? hundred percent. That's missing from photographer websites because what's there is the picture without the story. People buy the story. People buy the result. People review the results. So by the time you get the inquiry, they've eliminated most of your competitors. They like what they've seen. They've put you on that short list. And this is why it's so important at this point not to sell them anything, but to help them buy the results of hiring specifically you. Mm, right? it's a, so good. It's a different mindset. It's a totally different mindset. I go to photographers' websites and I, take, I want you to take away most of the pictures that are there because I don't want them going down the rabbit hole like on Amazon. People who like this also like that, people, right? <laughs> so what happens is you end up going and looking and looking and looking and here's another gallery and here's another gallery and here's another gallery and here's another gallery, but there's no call to action. There's no, if you like what you see, contact me. If you want to feel this way, contact me. There's just a lot of pictures, pictures, pictures. So think about if you go to an art gallery, right? And there's a gallery showing and there's photographs. You walk over and there's photographs. If there's a description under the photograph, not everybody reads it, but some people will go and, oh, what is that? And they want to know. Now, if it's a photographer, they might want to know that you shot that with a Hasselblad medium format, or you shot that with a Canon, with an L lens, with, this is the setting or whatever. And other people want to know where it was and other people want to know why. Right? Why this? Why this area? Why this? Whatever. So 
if their story is there, people stop and they engage with it. If it's just a picture, they go, wow, pretty. Next. Mm. <laughs> so you want to engage. As a matter of fact, Pinterest said years ago on their business blog but to put longer captions. Now, there's a great book called the, Your Story Brand Now. And this is basically just articulating what I've known and other people have known is talk about the story. So if you show me a picture of a couple and they're at a certain location for their engagement portrait, let's say, why there, right? Why was it there? Now, maybe you chose it, maybe they chose it. Maybe there's a significance to it, right? If I get the why, I'm now feeling more about you and what you can do for me. But if I just see the picture, this is the sad part. You're photographers, right? So if I show you a picture, you're looking at composition, contrast, lighting, shadows, right? You show that same picture to, the, to a couple and a bride might go, mm, look at her hair. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, you've seen it, right? I've seen it, yeah. You, want, the, you want them to look at this beautiful picture and you want, you're thinking, oh my gosh, look what I did with the lighting over here. Look at this. And she's like, those shoes, they must not be comfortable. <laughs> so this is where your perspective doesn't matter. It's their perspective that matters. So show me the picture that captures the emotion, but then tell me the story behind that. Talk to me about how you work with your couples. I don't, I don't see this on photographers' websites. I see a resume about me. This is my photography resume. This is where I went to school. This is what I did. This is what I love. These are my dogs. This is my partner. These are my kids, whatever. Okay, that's about you. What about me? Right? I came here because I want photographs. I want you to capture my memories. I want this, right? So that's what's missing. All right. But by the time they make the inquiry, which could be through your website, through social media, through Wedding Wire, through The Knot, through Yelp, through right wherever you are, mm -hmm. they already think you're a good fit because they like what they've seen. Now, how many other photographers are they looking at? I don't know. I, I don't know. The best answer is none, right? The best <laughs> answer is... You did my friend's wedding, you shot my friend's portrait, you did the headshot for my friend's company, whatever, I want you to do this. That's the best answer. But you don't know that unless they say that in their inquiry. Mm -hmm. Hi, you did my friend's wedding. Now, even if you did their friend's wedding, you still may not be the only one they're looking at because you, somebody else did their other friend's wedding and somebody else did their cousin's wedding and all that. So rarely do we get that opportunity where it's you and only you, unless if you're not doing any advertising, then the only place you could be getting business is word of mouth, right? Because there's four steps to getting more sales. And the first is getting their attention. Okay. So, well, so how do you get their attention? Advertising, networking, referrals, social media, email, right? Wedding shows. That's how you get their attention. Then they make the inquiry. Then you have a conversation. Then you make the sale. I, I call it the sales circuit, right? There's the sales circuit right there. Uh-huh. All right. So get their attention, get the inquiry, have a conversation, make the sale. So. If you're not advertising anywhere, well, then the only place they could find out about you is through non-paid places. Correct. And if you're, again, if you're not that active on social, or even if you are active on social, if they're not already following you, let's see, what are there, 2.8 billion pages on Facebook, right? So what are the chances that they're going to find your organic posts? It's really small, really, mm -hmm. really small. So you'd be paying for it there. And by the way, I don't want anybody on here to ever buy advertising. I want you to buy access to an audience. 
Oh, that, that, I like that uh, shift of mindset. Yeah, well, and, and here's why. And this comes from somebody who's been on the other side. I've been on both sides. So I consult with businesses like yours. And I was vice president of sales at the large, largest wedding website in the world. I published two wedding magazines before that. I consult the wedding websites around the world. I tell their salespeople not to sell advertising, sell access to their audience. So yesterday I did a webinar with a group in the UK, Guides for Brides. And they're like a small version of Wedding Wire than not over there. Their people, she's had me in to do training. And I, I said to the people, and I had Allison on, she's the owner of this company. I said, don't buy advertising, buy access to the audience. Because Allison, who runs this company, has one job, one main job, and that's to get the audience. Because the tools and the photos and the story and you know the, the, the articles and the checklists don't mean anything if there's nobody there to see them. So don't buy the ad by price, buy the ad by audience. And if it's the right audience, then you should want the biggest, baddest placement you can get. Right? So if I said to you, hey, you know, Carolina, I can get you a billboard, right? A really a full billboard, right? With your stuff on it, only cost you ten dollars, ten dollars a month but it's in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> That's right? not going to do me any good, right? Right, but, but it's only $10 a month, right? But if there's a DJ in New Jersey, I live in New Jersey, I go to Newark Airport, one of the busiest airports in the world, Interstate 95, which runs from Maine down to Florida, runs right by Newark Airport. There's a DJ, posh DJs, that has three or four billboards right as I get towards the airport. That's going to be really, really expensive from a dollar standpoint, but there's so much traffic going by. There are people going to New York and New Jersey, right? Well, coming by there that the, the return on their investment must be good because they've had them up there for a long time because it's not how much it costs. It's what you get. A hundred percent. And if you want people to invest bigger in you, you have to invest bigger in you first better website, better marketing, better branding, right? All that kind and of I, stuff. I, I love that you're touching on that because sometimes also as photographers, we can get um, a little bit caught up in this. Like, well, I'm not going to invest until I have the money. I mean, which is true. Don't go into debt. You know, if you don't have the money, then, you know, get a side hustle, whatever you need to do. But it's kind of like this catch 22 that is just like, well, I'm not going to need any increase, but also I don't want to invest in a better website. So it's like, you got a problem in both sides. Well, see, marketing is, a, is like a relay race. And if I get the baton and I hand the baton to you and you drop the baton, the race is over for our team. So those, that sales circuit that I talked about over here, right? Mm -hmm. If you have to start at the beginning is getting their attention. So if you don't do any advertising and you're new in your own business, how is anybody going to know you exist? Your website is not enough. Yes, you need a website. That, my first book is called, If Your Website Was an Employee, Would You Fire It? Right? <laughs> but having a website is like having that billboard in the middle of the cornfield. You have a website, but nobody's going to know it's there. Nobody's going to find it. And then you say, well, I'm going to do SEO, search engine optimization. Great, except yours is the new website. And the websites that have been up for years have stronger SEO juice because they have deeper roots already. And you're fighting with every other photographer for the keywords in your market for organic search. So again, what are the chances somebody's going to find you unless they're searching for you by name? So do you need a website? Absolutely. But is that enough? No, because you don't get any business from your website. You get business through your website. They came from somewhere to your website. They go through it to make the inquiry to you. So where did they come from? 
well, if you have Google Analytics, you'll know because it'll tell you where people are coming from. But there's a rule of thumb that says you should invest 10 to 15% of your anticipated revenue when you're a new business. 10 to 15% of anticipated revenue, not actual revenue. So if you say, okay, I want to do $100,000 in gross sales next year, well, then you should invest 10 to $15,000 in advertising and marketing to bring in that $100,000. And if you don't, then you shouldn't expect to get the 100000 You know, If you take every free thing that you can get out there, you should get exactly what you paid for. <laughs> you, you paid free. So this is the, it's the hard part of business. And you said it before, we're artists. Yeah, my son is an artist. He, he does photography, graphic design. His girlfriend's a photographer. I understand it. Believe me, I understand it. We're also all musicians, so I understand that. It's a different mindset. I am not a photographer, professional photographer. Again, I'm dangerous because <laughs> I, I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not a professional photographer. So I don't have to make a living at this, right? I can do the art without having to do the other part. I couldn't be a professional photographer, but I could run a photography business because it's a different skill. And that's something that... Um... Again, as we continue to talk about this, I tell this to a lot of the people that are in my group and people in the podcast. I'm like, you need to be able to put that business hat on. You need to be able to be like, listen, yes, you're an artist, you do beautiful pictures, but at some point you need to take a look at your craft as a business. Right. You can't just wait and see like, oh, you know, my pictures are going to do all the talking for me because that's not going to happen. And you see it. You see people that run very profitable studios and the photographer is mediocre, but mm -hmm. they are making a lot of money because they are business owners. And what they're doing is they're giving their customer value for what they pay for. And, and here's the thing. I remember years ago, years and years ago, when I started in the industry, uh, I was selling advertising to this one company. Now I was in the, in the Hudson Valley in New York and in New Jersey. And this woman ran a very, very successful photography business and she didn't shoot. She had shot in the past, but she didn't shoot, but she was a really sharp business person. She would go to all the photographers that weren't really doing enough business and say, listen, I'll hire you to do Weddings, right? I'll basically the gig economy, except mm -hmm. you know, 20 years ago. And she did this. She did this. And she would pay them and say, listen, all you need to do is shoot, bring me the film. This was back when film and then went <laughs> then went to digital. But that's all you need to do is bring me the film and that's it. The other photography companies hated her because she was so successful and they're like, Yeah, but like you said, the, the photo photography is mediocre. Well, by whose standard? By your standard not by the couple's standard, right? Just like um, uh, a friend of mine who used to work for me selling advertising, he has a nine-piece band. And this company, this other company that did a very similar thing to what this woman did, he got his best of the knot. And this company that has DJs, and you know, again, they're like mid to mid-low price starting DJs, right? Mm -hmm. But big volume. They also got their best of. And he called me up and he said, I was vice president of sales at the Knot at the time. And he called me up and he said, hey, you know, I, I got my best of. I said, congratulations. That, what is that, five years in a row, whatever? He said, yeah. I said, but it, what does it really mean if they can get it also? I said, what it means is that your customers felt that what they paid, they got value equal to or in excess of that. And their customers felt that for what they paid, they got value equal to or in excess of what they got, right? So... It's not that their customers would be happy with you or vice versa. 
it's they paid for a DJ for $1,200 and they were happy with it. And they paid you $7,000 or whatever it was for your band and they were happy with it. It's in a silo. That's what it is. It's not a comparison here. So what is mediocre photography? Well, for someone who's got a budget that says, I can only afford this, and they look at the pictures and say, wow, they're pretty. And you look and go, yeah, but you know what? They could have used the light better. They could have used the contrast better. Yeah, that's a little bit too posed for me. I prefer to do more, you know, more candid. That's you. That's your eye, not theirs. And you know, why do some people drive Hyundais and some people drive Mercedes? They all get us there. I, I love doing this at photography conferences. I did this in India. It was funny. There are 300 wedding photographers. And I said, how many of you use Canon? Hands went up. How many use Nikon? Hands went up. How many use Sony? Hands went up. I only said Sony because they were a sponsor at the point. <laughs> Sony, hand, hands went up. And I said, nobody cares. And they all started laughing. But it's true. When does your customer actually care which kind of camera you use? Once in a while, they might say, hey, you're using Canon or Nikon, right? And if you say, oh, I'm using Nikon, oh, okay. Well, what if they wanted to hear a Canon? Do they go, oh, I'm sorry, Carolina, no, no. <laughs> No. Oh, no, never. I would never have my picture taken with it. Right? Nobody's ever going to do that. Right. It's so, yeah, it's so true. And again, this gives me back to this situation when sometimes we as business owners are doing things for other photographers and not for our clients. We are trying to please the competition. The competition doesn't pay our bills. So we definitely need to stop doing that. Right. Well, it's okay to do that in an art thing. If you're entering a contest with your photographs or whatever, absolutely. But if you're in business, you're pleasing your customers. You design your website for your customers. You speak to your customers. So you get this inquiry and the inquiry typically would say, hi, we're getting married. Can we get pricing and packages? Right? A hundred percent. Yeah. That is a buyer. That is a buyer. I love to use analogies. So let me give you an analogy. Let's say you and I were going to go to dinner. What would we choose first, the restaurant or what we're going to eat? The restaurant. Right. Oh, no, probably what we're going to eat. Well, no, the style of food, maybe. Yeah, but, the style but, of food, yeah. But not the actual dish. A hundred, yes. Okay. Right? So if you and I were going to, like, one of our favorite places over here is Taqueria Maria. If we go to Taqueria Maria, we've been there so much that my wife, be like, before she's going, she's like, you know, chili, chili's reinos, I'm having that. We're going there because of that. Uh-huh. But I travel a lot. So if I'm going someplace and somebody's like, hey, how about a steakhouse? Great. Not, hey, how about a porterhouse? How about a filet mignon? How about it, right? A hundred percent, yes. So I want them to choose the photographer because think about it. Every photo on your site, none of those, none of those are going to be their photos, (laughs) right? Those are somebody else's photos. Mm -hmm. So they're choosing you for what they're feeling, what that style, what they think that you're going to be able to do for them. So you get the inquiry. They say, you know, uh, uh, packages and pricing. The reason they do that is because they don't know how to shop for what you do. They've never, they've never had to do that. When you shop for what you know, you ask better questions. So in my case with my lens, I wanted a 35 millimeter prime lens F2. Better than F2 would be great, but I really didn't need better than F2. I, I, I don't need a depth of field that, <laughs> that, 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 like I said, I'm dangerous. I, I, and I, have tr- I actually had to turn off the autofocus on the camera because I would move a little bit and I would hear... Oh, the thing readjusting. Yeah, so I had to, you know, I had the depth of field so short. The bokeh was great, but I had to stand so still, which I hate doing. I'd stand so still because the autofocus, I like, I got to shut it off. So... When I'm shopping for that lens, 
if it wasn't 35 millimeter, it wasn't a choice. If it wasn't F2, it wasn't a choice. You know, would I have taken a 2.4? I would, but I really didn't want, I really wanted a two. So I have a checklist, just like couples have a checklist, except my checklist was technical checklist. Canon, right? It's got an EF lens, F2, 35 millimeter, right? Had to be that. Anything that didn't check all those boxes was not a choice, no matter what the price was, not a choice. The couple has their own boxes and their boxes again are different than a photographer's boxes would be. So they don't know what to ask. So their boxes are, are you available? Do you shoot in my area and how much do you charge, <laughs> right? The, 100%. the intangible boxes of do I like your photos have already been answered because they wouldn't be reaching out if they didn't like what they've seen already, okay? Did I read your reviews? Probably, probably. I don't know where, but probably. Most likely Wedding Wire and The Knot because they have 7 million reviews of wedding professionals. And if I were to search for your business name and the word reviews, which by the way, everybody listening should do, your own business name, the word reviews, and find out all the places where there are reviews of you. And if you really want to get it the right way, you can do a private viewing window. So when you open, when you open in your browser, go to file new, but instead of just a new window or a new tab, a new private browsing, what that does is it takes your history away and it takes the cookies away and you see it like somebody that's never looked for you will see your history. When I do a Google search, Google assumes I want to find some of the stuff I've looked for before. So you want to take all that history away. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, they have checked the intangible boxes. They want to find out, are you available? How much do you charge? Do you shoot in my area? That's what they want to know. So we know it's the wrong question, but they don't know what to ask. So they ask that. So never, never look at that and say, well, they can't afford me. You don't know that. Everybody you've ever booked has asked you how much it cost. Maybe it was the first question, maybe not but you don't complain about the ones that came to you and said packages and pricing and they ended up paying you $8,000. You never complain about those people, right? So you, re true. you remember the ones that said, well, I had a thousand dollar budget and you're trying to get five, right? You remember those. You don't think about the other ones, right? Cause we always focus more on the negatives than on the positives. So they come to you, they ask you for packages and pricing. There's a few things here. And again, this book is called eight, the subtitle is eight tips for converting wedding and event inquiries into sales. So let's run through the eight tips. Let's run them. The first one is that you want to, it's a real conversation. So you and I are having a real conversation now. We're speaking conversationally. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to people listening here, but I'm speaking to you. Correct. Right? Don't copy paste, plug in the date and whatever. And this is what we typically see because we do secret shopping also. Uh, uh, congratulations on your recent engagement and thank you for inquiring about our photography for your wedding. Good news, we're available on your plug in the date and we love working at mm, plug in the venue. Uh, attached is our packages and pricing. Let me know when you'd like to have a phone call, right? Guilty. <laughs> okay. Stop. <laughs> stop, like right now, just stop that. Okay, a couple of reasons. You turned very red right now. <laughs> <laughs> Demasiado roja. <laughs> sí, muy roja, muy roja. Here's why. Uh, from what we've seen, about 80 to 90% of people respond with congratulations on your recent engagement. So that's the best reason not to do that. <laughs> okay. It's a real conversation. What if the phone rang? I know it doesn't. And I know there's a lot of photographers that don't even put their phone there on their website. 
stop that now as well, because it's not about you. It's about them. And if they want to call you, let them call you. I don't care how much you hate talking on the phone. If somebody wants to pick up the phone and you can have a real conversation in real time right now, that is the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Do that. Okay. If you don't have your phone number on your site anywhere, stop that right now. I was trying to get a hold of who was it, Vimeo the other day. And because of what's going on with the virus, I sent them an email because I had to go through their auto, um, artificial intelligence support first to get to the point where I could finally email them. And four days later, they, no, what is it? Five days later, they still haven't responded. Mm. Okay. And all I wanted to do is ask a question. I'm, I actually wanted to upgrade and I couldn't even get a hold of somebody. I was trying to give them more money. Okay. Don't frustrate people who are trying to give you money. A real conversation includes things that you would say to someone that are more outside of the this copy paste. So you're speaking to someone, they call up and say, hi, you know, getting married. Um, I, I saw your photos online. I'd like to get some package and pricing info. And you say, oh, thanks so much for calling. We really appreciate that. Uh, hey, you know, where are you guys getting married? Oh, we're getting married at, at this venue. Oh, what a beautiful venue. Work there all the time. I love their gardens. Or I love working with John. Or I love working with Debbie or whatever. Right? That type of language belongs in there because it adds the personality. Companies have personalities. If you are a sole, solo operator, solopreneur, you are the personality. Like my business, everything I do has this personality. My books, my articles, my website, everything speaks like this. Because mm -hmm. this is me. So you want it to sound like you. The second is to reply as quickly as you can, because according to a wedding wire survey, 50% of couples choose the first one who replies. So reply as quickly as you can, whatever that means, right? If it's 11 o'clock at night, you don't have to reply if you don't want to. Um, you're allowed to have dinner with your family. Um, we're not going out to the park right now. <laughs> I, I, I made the mistake the Sunday, my wife and I it was a beautiful day. We go, I said, let's go for a drive. Just go for a drive. We would normally go to a, some little town and have lunch. We said, let's just drive. And we're stopping by a historic site here. I live near Princeton, New Jersey. And I've always seen this historic site. So I get out to read the, the sign of what it's all about. I turn around and there's an electronic road sign going the other way on the road that says all state parks in New Jersey are closed. Yes. Including this one. <laughs> I was like, Okay, get back in the car, <laughs> back in the car here. Uh, so replying as quickly as you can means replying as quickly as you can because they will respect the fact that you replied quicker. You do not, I had somebody ask me if you sounded desperate. I said, no, when you send an email, you fill out a contact form. When do you want to reply? Now, right? So yeah. now is good. So be the first one through it, but also use the same method that they used. So if they email you, email back. If they text you, text them back. If they use Facebook message, Facebook message back. Instagram message, Instagram message back. Yes, it's a pain in the neck. I have on my phone, my home screen has WhatsApp, Facebook messenger, and then I have to look at LinkedIn messenger, Instagram, right? It's, I have to look at all that stuff there. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And, and texting, and I have texting through my website, which is not my regular cell phone number. I use a company called ZipWhip, Z-I-P-W-H-I-P. Or for you Family Guy fans, Zip Whip. Somebody will get that. Some people get that. So texting, I have to respond in kind. Why? Because they chose how to reach out. Right? With Vimeo, I wanted to call them. I couldn't. That would, would have been my preference. I tried to live chat, but it was an auto, artificial intelligence. It wasn't a person. Right? So they were frustrating me. Don't do that to people. Don't add friction to the process. 
You want to reduce the friction. Matter of fact, I have a great book on my bookshelf. I give, I have signed copies of it because the author is a friend of mine, Shep Hyken. It's called The Convenience Revolution. And The Convenience Revolution, he talks about reducing the friction, which I've spoken about for years, but I love that his whole book is about that. How do you make it easy to do business with you? Not hard. A lot of photographers make it really hard to do business with you because you don't have a phone number on there. And it, it's just a contact form, right? It, it's, it's not how they want to necessarily do business. So third thing is you want to mirror their tone, which is the formality. And fourth is mirroring the energy. So tone and energy. So uh, to whom it may concern, we would like to inquire about our impending nuptials and engaging your services. For... That's very formal as opposed to somebody who goes, OMG, my BFF and I are getting married, right? So tone and energy you mirror. You do that in person already. 100%. If you're sitting with, sitting with someone, you're mirroring the body language, you're mirroring the loudness, right? If you're with a loud talker, you talk loud. You're with a quiet talker, you talk quiet. I talk with my hands. When, when they're not talking with their hands, I hold my hands together so I don't talk with my hands. It, that's what mirroring is, okay? The, um, the, the fifth one, where am I? I went to, right? Am I up to five? Yeah, I'm up, up to five. Um, mirror tone, mirror energy. I, 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 I want to jump to number six all of a sudden. Oh no, five is mirror how much they write. Okay. If they write you short, you write them short. If they write you long, you have permission to write them long. You don't have to, but you have permission. Nobody likes to read a long email. Matter of fact, one of the best things you can do is start BCCing yourself on emails to customers and then look on your phone. How many screens is that? You wrote it on your big desktop monitor. How many screens on a mobile is that? One sentence goes across on, on desktop, could be four, five, six lines on a mobile, depending on how big your monitor is. Nobody wants to scroll. And if they have to scroll to see the call to action, you're not getting conversion because they can't even see it without scrolling. And we all do the same thing. It's like, yeah, no. Okay. Number six, so you've mirrored how much they, they've, they've written, okay? Number six is don't answer questions they haven't asked you yet. Don't just start dumping information on them. And this is important because people can tell if you're not listening. They can tell if you're not paying attention. If they ask a question, you don't directly answer the question or, or address that question, they know you're not paying attention. What I see all too often is people dumping in stuff that's on their website. So they inquire through your website and then you say, oh, and we do this, 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 and this. Well, that was on your website. I don't know if they saw it, but it was there. So don't just start dumping that stuff on, on there. But what I do want you to do is ask them one question. So don't answer questions they haven't asked, but ask them one question at the end. This is the best tip. If we get cut off right now, the best tip in the book, I'll tell you this, and I even give credit to it to, to in, in, the, in the forward to a, a, an officiant in California, Alan Katz, who, who told me this. You end with a question, people are more likely to respond. You end with a period or an exclamation point, the conversation's over. Mm, so, 100%. So if you end with, feel free to let me know if you have any questions. I look forward to meeting with you. I look forward to setting up a phone call with you, right? Period, 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 or exclamation point. Conversation's over. If you end with a question, they're more likely to answer. So what I want you to do is start with what's called a low commitment question. A low commitment question is a question they can answer without consulting with anyone. So are you having both your ceremony and reception at the same site? How many guests are you expecting? If they didn't tell you the venue, where is the venue, right? If they didn't give you the time, maybe the time. So if you start this today, today, and ending with one question, 
make that question its own paragraph at the end of your email. So you wrote your email, new paragraph with space, and then one question. And then don't bury the question. Don't bury it with, I look forward to hearing back from you. I look forward to your response. You end it with Carolina, punto. That's it, <laughs> right? You're done. They are more likely, because we scan, we don't read, to answer your question. I actually had these made years ago. They say question mark send on them. They're like, you know, stress, ball, stress balls, but they're um, awesome. So question mark send. Because if you remember to do it, I have one sitting on my desk to remind me, did I ask a question? Now you don't always need a response, but if you want them to respond, ask a question. So this means going back to your contact form and removing some of those things like ceremony and reception at the same location, how many guests you're expecting, gives you something to ask them. Because not only do I want you to be the first one to reply to them, I want you to be the first one to get a reply back again. Because that's a conversation if we're going back and forth. So you don't want to prematurely end the conversation by putting a period or an exclamation point. Number seven is no attachments. No photos, no PDFs, no nothing. I'm going to take my, where's my magic wand? I'm going to find a magic wand here. Here. There's my magic wand. Okay. <laughs> it's like men in black, right? That's it. There you go. I go. just, I've just Very broken, well. I've just broken the attachment button on all of your computers. Good. <laughs> Done. Why? Attachments don't make sales. People do. Attachments are distractions because the implication is what you need to know is in this document I attached. Attachments are made for full-size sheets of paper. If you're in the U.S., it's letter size. If you're outside, it's A4 or whatever. You squeeze that down to this, what do you have? Pinch, pinch, right? You can't read it. I've rarely, rarely ever seen a good attachment. And what I mean by a good attachment is an attachment that's going to get someone to take the next action. All right. There are four things that should be on every marketing piece, every page of your website, everything that you do. Aspirational images. That's easy for you guys. You're the photographer. Everybody else complains. Right? You're the photographer. You have the pictures. And by the way, now is a great time for you to make relationships with all of your venues and other vendors. Give them access to the digital galleries from the weddings you've worked on together. Let them pick out a few photos. You have the time. They have the time. Let them pick them out. Right? You. They don't necessarily have to download it right there. You can send them the ones they want, but let them tell you which ones. They will love you. They need better photos for their social. They need better photos for their blog. They need better photos for their website and their advertising. Yes, you can put a watermark on. Don't be obnoxious. Put a little watermark in the corner. That's okay. People are going to remember the people. They're going to remember what you did. And if you proactively do this for people now, better yet, make them one-minute videos of photos that you took at their venue that they can put on Instagram, oh my God, they are going to love you. Great love ideas. You. Okay, so no attachments. No attachments. Attachments don't make sales. Attachments are distractions. You want them to respond now, and you said, hey, take a look at this document. No, just respond to me. We're having a conversation. You would never have somebody on the phone and say, oh, so Carolina, you know what? I'm going to email you a document right now, and then when you, if you like what you see, call me back. That would be ridiculous. You would never do that. So why do you do that in an email? Because it's easy? Well, no, I just broke the attachment button on your computer, <laughs> so you're done. And then number eight is don't stop the conversation if they have not. In other words, you're ending with a question every time. Mm -hmm. If they come back and say, okay, thank you for the information, we're gonna review it over the weekend, you could say, fantastic, 
I'll give you a shout on Monday. Done, right? Period, we're out. What do they do in Vegas, right? We're out, that's it, we're, <laughs> we're done. But if they have not ended it, don't you end it. So let's go back to the initial inquiry comes in, you respond short. So I get an inquiry, I'm Alan, the photographer. Carolina, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, we would love to capture your beautiful images and, and capture all the emotions and feelings of the day. I'm so glad you chose this venue, whatever it is. We love working there. Julie, the, the director of sales is fantastic. She's been there for years. You made such a great choice. Now, we can do one of four things when it comes to pricing. They asked for pricing. Mm -hmm. Now, there's four ways to address pricing. I did that in these two books right there, right there, okay. All the books are on my website. If you're in the States, you want a paperback. They're also on Amazon. So allenberg.com or allenberg.guru, G-U-R-U, takes you right to my Amazon page. It's a nice shortcut. Take you right there, okay? If you're in the UK, it's allenberg.biz. Takes you to the Amazon UK page. So four ways to handle price. Number one, if you want to tell them, you can tell them. You can put the pricing right there. But when you put pricing, you ask for the sale. So if you say to somebody, thanks, let's say you have all the details, right? Somebody said, hey, I'm getting married on this date. Here's the venue. Here's this. This is what I need, blah, 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 right? How much? Oh, okay. That's going to be, you know, $6,200. Would you like me to reserve that? Right? So this is the same thing in person. This is the same thing on the phone. If you can tell them exactly how much it is and you have enough details that you don't need to know anything else, tell them how much and ask for the sale. That is a basic thing. It's a thing that photographers are really bad at. Artists in general are really bad at asking for the sale. But if you can tell them a price, by the way, this works for upsells too. If somebody says, oh, you know, my mother was asking about having a bigger print for the wall. You say, well, you know, like what size? Uh, You know, we can do eight by 10, 11 by 14, 16 by 20, 16 by 20, you know, with a frame or without, you know, with a frame. Oh, that's going to be this. Would you like me to get that reserved for you? Okay. Or can I, you know, how much is another album? I want an album for my grandparents. Okay, do you want the size of your parents' album or yours? Oh, my parents' album, like another one like that? Sure, that's only this much. Would you like me to get that reserved for you? So if you can tell them how much, ask for the sale. And I still, as you said, we're ending with a question. So the chances of ghosting us are lower now because they need right. to answer the question kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've addressed ghosting on my blog, which is free. If you want to get my article every month, it's on, I, I email it out connect with allenberg.com get you on that list i also addressed it in my newest book wit wisdom in the business of weddings one of the chapters is on ghosting and it's exactly you know you get ghosted because you sent them the pdf you get ghosted because you didn't ask a question right these are all reasons for getting ghosted um you dump too much information now it's a really long email all those kind of things there all right so second way is to not tell them 88 percent of couples are looking for price before they reach out to you you're looking for price before you reach out to someone. I'm looking for price before I reach out. So it's just a human nature thing. If you don't want to give them a price yet, you have to address that they asked about price. You don't want to be ducking that because then they think you're just being evasive. Mm-hmm. You want to be transparent. So if you can't give them a price which because you don't have the details yet or you don't want to tell them yet, here's what you say. Carolina, thanks so much for reaching out. And again, the same beginning, we're available on your date. I'd love to give you pricing information. I want to make sure that I don't leave out anything that's important to you and the success of your wedding photography. And I certainly don't want you to pay for anything you don't need. Let me ask you a few questions to get the details. I'll be happy to give you a price. So let's break that down. I don't want you, I don't want to leave out anything that's important to you. Who's going to be upset about that? Nobody. 
I don't want to charge you for things you don't need. Nobody's going to be upset about that. So they're listening now because they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I don't want you to leave anything out. And I, I, I don't want to pay for things I don't need. And then you ask the first low commitment question. So I don't want to leave out anything that's important to you. I don't want you to pay for anything you don't need. Let me get a few of the details so I can give you a price. Are you having both your ceremony and reception at the same location? Right? Uh, how many people are in your bridal party? One question. One. One. Solo una pregunta. Right? That's it. <laughs> one question at a time because in a conversation, we don't ask someone five questions. Just because you can type five questions doesn't mean you should. If you and I were speaking, I would say, so are you having the ceremony reception at the same place? Yes, we are. That's all you might get. Yes. Fantastic. I love their ceremony site. There's so many beautiful angles to give great shots over there. Right? Are you going to be getting ready at the venue or are you going to be getting ready at a different location? Right? These are all the things you need to know. Right? Mm -hmm. So you're doing that one question at a time. All right. The third way to talk about price, which I don't want you to do, but I'm going to tell you it anyway, is a starting price. And you don't use a starting price because the starting price sells from the cheapest thing you have up. It's called from the bottom up. I want you to sell from the top down. Top down selling, which I've addressed in presentations at conferences all over the world, is about listening to what their needs are and what results they want. Presenting them with a package of services that will get them that result. Asking for the price that it will cost to get that result. Asking for this, pardon me, asking for the sale. And that's it. So I'm top down. Now I'm going to give you a great visual. The great visual is the, the game Jenga. You know the game Jenga? Yep. I say, I think everybody knows Jenga with the blocks you stack up. When you're selling from the bottom up, you take the first block and you say, Carolina, would you like to buy this block? Yes. Okay, great. Now, would you also like this? And I'm trying to sell you every block, mm -hmm. right, from the bottom up. So I'm selling you, you know, one photographer, then I'm selling you a second photographer, then I'm selling you an engagement session, then I'm selling you albums, then I'm selling, right? I'm selling you from the bottom up. From the top down is listening. And so Carolina, so from what we sp spoke about, it sounds like, tell me if I got this right. It sounds like this is what you're looking for. And I go through all of the, the different pieces of it. Do I have that right? Yeah. Did I leave anything out? No. Great. Well, that's only this much. Would you like me to reserve that? And now I have a whole Jenga. Just picture a whole Jenga, no holes. And you go, oh, wow. Yeah, we love that, but we, we, I don't, we can't afford that. We can't, we can't afford that much. Well, you know, from what we spoke about, certain th of these things were a little more important than others. So what if we took this block away? How about now? And I give you a lower price. It's better, but I, I still don't think we can do it. How about that block? I take that one away. And now the price comes down. Always take something away when you lower the price. If you don't take anything away when you lower the price, you're giving away profit. I'm gonna say that again. Every dollar you lower your price without taking anything away, you gave away profit. Don't give away profit. Profit pays your mortgage. Profit pays your car payment. Profit is your retirement. It's your vacation. It's your kid's education, right? That's what profit buys. Don't give away your profit, okay? And if you are a bigger business and you have commission salespeople working for you, Remind them that every time they give a discount, some of the money they gave away is their own. Okay. I like that you point out uh, this right now because, I mean, as we are going through this pandemic and things are changing a little bit, I have seen not only on Facebook groups, but, you know, within the industry that people are starting to ask for like massive discounts because they're like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. Things are changing. And what I keep advising, you know, people in my group is like, 
as you said, discount, you know, like if they are, if they come to you for like a full wedding, like something that would have cost $6,000 and now they're asking for a $3,000, like you be like, I can't do that. I can discount certain, I mean, I can remove certain things of the equation, right. but I can give you the house, the sink, my dog and everything for that price. Right. And, and here's the thing, because of all the people moving weddings from this year to later this year and into next year, there's going to be more weddings happening next year than normally would have happened which means your inventory is gonna get eaten up faster, which means if you start discounting, you're giving away your inventory that is a higher demand for a lower price. That makes no sense, don't do that. I know you're feeling the pinch now. Give them a payment plan instead of lowering the price. I can't lower the price, what I can do is let's break this up into payments so you'll give me $500 now, and then in September you'll give me 300, and in November you'll give me 300, whatever it is, right? Do something like this. Negotiate the payment terms instead of the total, okay? All right, so the third way to talk, so Jenga, selling from the top down is, I'm finding out what you want, giving you the price, asking for the sale. If you say yes, great. If you say no, I take things away. Uh, it's the same, what's the TV show, Property Brothers, right? Yes. <laughs> it's the same premise the list of what you want and your budget don't match up, but they show you what you asked for. They don't show you what fits your budget, right? That's what they did. That's yes. top-down selling. I, I, I actually put up a picture of those guys when I'm doing the presentation and say, this is what top-down selling looks like in the real world, okay? The fourth way to talk about price, which is my favorite way if you're going to give numbers is to give a range, the range of pricing, a realistic range of pricing. Because if you only give the starting price, the first number they hear is the number they expect to pay. If they only heard that number, that's what they expect to pay. So if you say that we have wedding packages that go anywhere from $2,000 to $8,000, or we have packages that go from $2,000 to $8,000 with our most popular grouping at $4,600, I'm just making numbers up here, right? Now they have a, an idea, it's called framing. The framing is, if we have no previous history of buying that, we have no framing. So when you buy a lens, you have framing. When you buy a camera body, you have framing. When you buy lights, you have framing because you've done this before. So when you see the price, you check all your technical boxes like I did on my lens, right? And I know what lenses cost. And I said, you know what? I'm going to spend $100. I could spend 1000 but I don't need to for this purpose. You could justify 1000 because it's for work. I, I can't justify it. So, uh, so I'm like, yeah, that lens is good enough for me. And this book called The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz, it's a great book. He talks about people who satisfy or maximize a decision. So I satisfied the decision on the lens. I was like, the $100 lens is good enough. It's good enough. It's not the best that's out there. I know that, but it's good enough. Maximizing would be my new Mac mini that's on my desktop. I literally went and checked every box there was, right? 64 gigs of RAM, two terabytes of solid state memory, because my other one was from 2012 and I was wondering why it was so slow. <laughs> and, and I looked at, you know, you go to the Apple and you go there and it tells you it was a late 2012 model. Maybe I got it in 2013, but it was 2012 model. I was like, if I'm buying a computer every six or seven years from my desktop, right? My laptops, maybe I get two, three years, but my desktop, I don't want to buy one that's okay. Now I want to buy the best that's now because later it's going to be okay. So I maximize that decision. I literally check, 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 check. It's, oh, yeah. Yep. I want the faster processor. Yep. You got that. You don't know if they're maximizing or satisfying your decision. Is photography just something they need or is photography the most important thing to them? And you've seen it, right? Somebody buys your top package and they're wearing a $500 David's bridal dress. Or 
they want the cheapest thing that you offer and they show up in Christian Louboutin shoes. And you're like, seriously, seriously? Seeing it all. <laughs> right, $1,000 for the shoes and you cheaped out on the photography? Like what? It's priorities. That's what it is. So price range is my favorite way. Now, I know a lot of people let don't- me, Let me ask you something kind of like to clarify here. Yeah. Uh, because you at the beginning said that it's okay to put kind of like starting price or something like that on your website because you- Not starting price, okay. price right. range. Price, right. Okay, so that's much better. So these same four things apply to your website as they do to anything else. So if you want to put all of your prices on your website, you can do that. That's not my favorite thing to do. And that's because you tend to put a bullet point list of what they're going to get in a price and that's selling what, it's not selling why. Okay. So when you say here it is here. Now, if you are a lower price, if you're going for volume and lower price, that's probably fine. Right. But then you want to have three packages. The middle one is the one that you, you want to sell them. Right. So that would be labeled most popular, the best value, something like that. The lower one, you could say it's not available on a Saturday night in wedding season, right? You can say it's not available, but I'll do that other times. I'll do it Friday, Sunday, Thursday, whatever. I'll do it in January. I'll do it like that. You could have an elopement package, right? You could have stuff like that. But the middle one is the one people tend to buy because it's called the center stage effect. The Journal of Consumer Psychology says if you put three things in an array, right? You have three things lined mm -hmm. up. The one in the middle is perceived to be the best value. And there's a funny story with Wendy's, the Wendy's hamburger joint. When they first came out years and years and years ago, Dave Thomas, when he started it, they had a hamburger. And their thing was it was bigger. It was big, it was square, and it was what they called it Wendy's Hot and Juicy. That was their thing. They had this old lady, Clara, on the TV commercials, and she would come up to here on the counter, right? And she'd open up. It was supposed to be like at McDonald's or Burger King. Open up the bun, and there was like this little piece of meat. And she was like, where's the beef, right? That was her. That mm -hmm. was the thing. They came out with a double hamburger and nobody bought them. So their marketing person said, well, come out with a triple. And they said, hey, genius, we're not selling any doubles. Why would we come out with a triple? They said, well, you wanna sell doubles. Right, so come out with a triple. So they came out with a triple and double started selling. Because it would be, you know, before it was, you had a single and a double. And if I was with you and I ordered a double, it's like, oh, he's going for the double, right? But if there's a single double and a triple, and I say, I'm not gonna get the triple, I'm just gonna get the double. You can it just- It's a reasonable uh, choice. Right. Uh, uh, William Sonoma had a bread machine for $250 and they sold some of them. They put a $450 bread machine next to it. They sold more $250 ones because like, oh, now it was a which one instead of do I want it or not? And it was like, well, I don't need to spend $450. I'll just get this one. They sold more $250 ones because there was a $450 next to it, right? This is the justification. It's the psychology of it. So on your website, my preference would be if you're not gonna put price, say, we would love to give you pricing information, right? Actually talk about pricing. I say it on my website. If you wanna get a price quote, contact me. Some of my pages have the prices on there. They do. Like if you want me to do a two hour website review, do a two hour business consultation, the $699, it's on the page. And yet half the people that reach out ask me how much it costs. So just cause it's there doesn't mean that they're reading it, okay? My website has one job. The, the title of this book, if your website was an employee, would you fire it? My website has one job. Get me the inquiry. <laughs> That's it. You get me the inquiry, I'll talk about price. I don't care if you didn't see it there. I'll talk about price. 
So, so, so you would say that it would be better, let's say as of right now, today on my website, I have a starting price, $3,000. It would be better just to say wedding collections range between $3,000 and $7,000. That right. way I'm not giving, as you said, people are not fixated on that $3,000. And when right. I present the $7,000, they're like, oh my God, that is a lot of money. Right. And, and, and even better than that, it, now is a good time for you to be doing some reflection. Go to your 2019 weddings maybe even the 2018s, put them on a spreadsheet. And the way I would do it is that this is where my left brain kicks in. So the first column is the name of the customer. And then you're going to have the date. I'd put the day of the week. So you can tell the difference between a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is, mm -hmm. <clears throat> how much they paid. You might put the guest count. If, if it, you know, it doesn't hurt you. If you have that number, put the guest count in there. And then the next columns are how you sell. So do you sell by packages? Do you sell a la carte, whatever they are? So if it's packages, list the packages and then list the options they could have. If it's by a la carte, then list all the a la carte things. And then you can now start sorting this spreadsheet out and saying, well, what do most people do, right? Now you're going to have a low to high. So you're going to have that really small wedding and you're going to have that really crazy wedding. Mm -hmm. You could throw out the bottom and the top because if the bottom was a friend's cousin, you know, on a, in March, yeah, that really does. That's not the bottom. And the top, which is so far above your normal top, you could throw that out as well. And then you have a range. So let's say your range was from 3,000 to 7,000, but your range might have been from 3,000 to 10,000 mm -hmm. because of options people bought. But what did they actually end up paying? Well, more people ended up between 45 and 62. I'm just making numbers mm -hmm. up here. And you could say, we go from, we have wedding collections that go from $3,000 to $9,000 with our most popular collection starting at $4,600 or our most popular collection being between $46 and $62. Now, here's what's going to happen. Your inquiries will go down. That's okay because it's all the $1,000 people and the $2,000 people. Now, here's what you lose. What you lose is someone that wasn't thinking of spending three that ends up spending three or four, okay? But that's not your best customer. Your best customer is the one that was thinking of spending three or four that spends five or six or seven. <laughs> so I'm okay with losing those fringe customers because I'm going to get more of the other ones. I had a conversation just the other day with yet another person who's told me they put the pricing on the website, the inquiries went down significantly, and sales went up. And this has happened. I, I can't think of any time it has not happened where sales didn't go up because the prices were there. Think about yourself as a customer. You go to a website, there's no pricing. You move on, look at somebody else, find somebody else who has pricing. It's in your range. You reach out to that company, not the first company. So because if you want to get- It could also be like, if you don't have pricing, people might think that you're too expensive for them. Well, they can't judge. Or the opposite is they keep coming in and they can't afford you because they love your pictures, but you have no pricing. So how do they know they can't afford you? It's just like Pinterest and Instagram. I wish that they would have price tags in the corner, right? Like there's the picture of that wedding. And in the corner right over there, it says, oh, that wedding's $150,000. Like, okay, I, I can't afford the stuff that's in there. So you can't blame them. They see the picture, they want it, right? There's no price. Well, let me ask how much it is. So, so starting at 3,000 gets you people who are looking for 3,000, $4,000 photography. 3,000 to seven, 3,000 to 8,000 will get you people that are also looking for five, six, $7,000 photography. It'll weed out the other people. It'll weed out the other people. You won't get those inquiries. It's scary to get less inquiries, but when you have more time to have better conversations with the right people, 
And that's what happened. This guy the other day was telling me, he's a venue down in uh, Louisiana. And he said, we have more time to have these conversations now because we're not speaking to all these people that should never have reached out in the first place. Not wasting your time kind of right. on your energy. Right. So I want you to, let's go, go so again, this was on your pricing page and mm -hmm. you don't have to list every bullet point of what's included. You can say we have some great collections, you know, that range from here to here. Contact us for details and for pricing for your wedding. But they go from the, here's the price range over there. That would be my preference. If I was a photographer, that's what I would do. On my own website, like I said, I have price on some places, price range in some other places, and no pricing in some other places. But I always encourage them to get a price quote for your whatever, you know, whatever I'm talking about on that page. Call me, email me, text me, fill out the short form. I have a short contact form on every page of my website except the homepage. And the only reason it's not on the homepage is I think that's a little too forward. You just got there, right? It's like somebody opening the door to your office and going, hey, you want to buy? <laughs> just got here. Yeah, give me a chance. Come on, sit down, you know? So I don't do it on the homepage. There is calls to action. There's not a form. Every okay. other page, including my blog pages, has a form on it or the actual shop to buy the books right there. So number eight was to not give up. So I want you to try five times. I, I don't know how much time we have here, Carolina. But oh, it's fine. It's, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. Okay. okay. So five times. The, the, as soon as you get it, as soon as you can, you reply. And again, whatever that means. If it comes in at night, you reply the next morning. It comes in that day, reply certainly that day as quickly as you can. Using the method that they reached out. The next day, if you haven't heard back, and yes, I said the next day, not the next week, you're going to email again to make sure they got it. So Today, I'm going to go, Carolina, thanks so much for reaching out. We'd love to capture your beautiful wedding, wedding memories and the emotions and feelings of the day. Great news. Love your venue. Right? It was like that. Um, now, again, I could say pricing. I could choose what to go there. I could put a mm -hmm. price range or I could just ask low commitment question. I don't want to, remember, I don't want to leave anything that's important to you. I don't want to charge you for anything you don't need. Ask you details. You don't respond. The next day, hi, Carolina. Uh, about the same time, right? About the same time. So if they emailed you at 10 in the morning, about 10 in the morning, respond the next day. Just wanted to make sure you saw my reply from yesterday, spam filters being what they are. And then you basically say what you said the day before. You've just moved yourself to the top of the inbox. Okay. Mm -hmm. You still don't hear back. Maybe the spam filters are catching it. And this happens a lot where your email doesn't make it through. If your email doesn't make it through, try something else. So I don't use Gmail for work because I don't think you should. I think, you know, you should be Carolina at your, whatever your web address is. Mm -hmm. I'm Alan at .com. So, and the reason is I know three things. If I, if you're Carolina at your website.com, I know your name, Carolina. I know your website and I know your email address. Okay. If you're Carolina, whatever at Gmail, I only know your email. That's okay. it. And every one of us has gone to someone's email address and used it to go to their website. Correct. Can't do that if it's Gmail. Okay. And by the way, Gmail can power your email. In other words, you can go into Gmail and you read your email that's Carolina at your website. The, the, the G Suite, the Google Suite, will let you do that. I, mm -hmm. Whatever they charge you, five, ten dollars a month, something like that. It's not a lot of money. Okay. So I will then try a different address. So if my Allen at Allenberg.com isn't going through, I will try my Gmail address. Okay. So then maybe a day or two later, hi Carolina. Um, I got your inquiry. I responded right away a couple of times. Spam filters are going really crazy these days. You probably didn't get it. Wanted to make sure you saw it. So I'm trying a different address. Or text or call. 
do something else. But if you keep emailing and it keeps going to spam, you're not getting anywhere. I find very often when I do this, some people will come back, they have seen it and they'll come back and say, oh, I'm sorry, I got really busy with whatever. Because now they see that I'm trying and they're like, yeah, I reached out to him and I'm not responding. This is his third message to me. I, I, let me tell him I'm getting them, <laughs> right? Okay. Which, and again, another fantastic tip because I also feel as photographers, we get that inquiry, we replied and then we, that's it. We're like, okay, we, we've done it. Back I don't to you now. Right, exactly. You. Yeah, but I go to my, when we hang up, I'm going to go to my Outlook and my junk folder is going to have emails in it. And there's a really good chance there's one or two things that I want or they're from people I know as opposed to actual junk, right? Mm -hmm. So people don't always check their junk filters. Some people just let them fill up. I go to my, I go to my business, actually I go to all of mine every day and I empty them out. I move the stuff I want to my inbox. I get rid of the other stuff. I block people, whatever, right? So you did today, you did tomorrow, you did a day or two later, some other method. Uh, by the way, there's a, a, a client of mine, friend of mine also in uh, Vegas. She's a DJ, her husband's a photographer. When she gets an inquiry, she'll like an email inquiry through her website. She will email them back, but then she'll text the phone number and say, hi, Carolina, it's Jody from Sight and Sound. Uh, just got your inquiry. I just sent you an email with information for you. Can't wait to find out more about your wedding and how to make it great. You can email me, call me, text me, whatever's easier for you. And I asked her, I said, um, are you pissing people off? Like, you know, you're, you're texting people that didn't text you. And she said, no, because she's texting to tell them she sent them an email. She's not just texting and saying, you should text me now. Some people do, and some people call, and some people email. But she's giving them that option. And 90% of texts are seen within three minutes of when they're received, whereas emails, you have to go into your email to see it. Not everybody. Like my email doesn't ping me every time I get one, or it would be pinging constantly. Mm -hmm. So... I'd have to go, I don't know how many emails I've gotten now, but I can tell you how many texts because they're coming, they're popping up. So today, tomorrow, try something else a day or two later. You still don't hear back. And this is go back to the ghosting thing and the articles that I've written on ghosting. Sometimes people reach out to other companies just because they were told they should. Like when my, uh, my friend's son was engaged, uh, he's engaged now, getting married in October, when they were looking at their venues, they were looking at, they, they found, they did all the research online, found the venue they think they wanted. And right? it was in the area they wanted, beautiful photos, great reviews, all that kind of stuff. The only reason they looked at another venue is because it was down the road from the first one. They're like, hey, we're here, we should go look. They booked the first venue. They booked the one they were going to. She saw a dress in the window of a dress shop. And she's like, that's a pretty dress. She was gonna go by herself. But her mother and the maid of honor are like, no, 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 you can't go by yourself. You gotta bring the posse here, right? You gotta bring all of us. <laughs> So she goes in, she wanted to try that dress on. And the, the, the ladies that came with her, not the shop, said, you should try other dresses on. She's like, I like this dress. You should try other dresses on. Sometimes it's the external forces. She tried five dresses on, bought the dress that was in the window, right? It, it's, that's how she was. She was boom, 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 boom. She's doing her things there. Sometimes they're saying, hey, you should check another one. So they sent another inquiry or on the nod on Wedding Wire, some of the sites they have, just like Amazon, the recommendations. Mm -hmm. If you like this, you might like that. So maybe they're not responding. Send them an email. And the subject line is, are you still looking for beautiful wedding photography? And then inside, hi, Carolina. Um, you, you reached out the other day about our photography services. We haven't heard back. Are you still looking for a photographer to catch you beautiful images? That's it. Simple. 
half a screen on the phone, done. And again, a question. <clears throat> Always a question. Now, subject line matters from the first point through. Start looking at your subject lines. If your subject line is wedding photography inquiry, wow, that's, <laughs> that's, wow. I'm just, wow, right? Try to do something better. Try to do something more emotional. Your beautiful wedding photography starts here, right? How, you know, how many, how many great wedding photos will you want on your wall, right? Whatever, something that's more emotional. All right, so that's four times. And that takes about a week, right? Because the day you get it, the next day, a day or two later, a couple of days later, you still don't hear back. Now you try something different, and this is where I like to add humor. And this has been done to me, and I've done it to people, and I've written about these in my books because I got inspired by it being done to me, and I started looking around, and this is a thing. So the thing is, the subject line is gonna be something that's funny, compelling, whatever. Um, when I wrote the, the Shut Up and Sell More book, I mentioned this, and an officiant in Australia wrote me back to tell me the version that he did. Mm -hmm. And the version that he did, the subject line is witness protection program, question mark. <laughs> <clears throat> See, got you laughing already. When you're scrolling through your inbox, you're looking at the subject lines and who sent the emails to decide what you're going to stop and read. Stop and read that, right? A hundred percent. Inside. Um, uh, Carolina, you reached out about having us uh, do a beautiful ceremony for you. We, we've tried a few times, haven't heard back. We can only imagine it's one of these reasons. And then bullet points. Number one, you've chosen another celebrant. If that's the case, please let us know. We wish a lot of luck. Number two, you're so glad that I reached out because you had lost my contact details and you still want to speak to me about being your efficient. Number three, you want me to just stop contacting you. All you need to do is ask. And number four, you've been in the witness protection program, unable to have contact with the outside world. Right? Please respond with the number. Right? First one he sent it to, the bride came back and she said, Number four, witness protection program, eight exclamation points. And then she said, no, really, it's number one. We were referred to someone that somebody else in the family used. We really like them. We're going with them. And even though he got the no, he emailed me to say, I got the no. And what I talk about in my books and in my sales training is you want a yes or a no. You don't want a maybe. You have a stack of maybes. You, you, have, a, you have a CRM full of maybes, right? Shoot queue is full of maybes that you never got anywhere with, that you got ghosted. So get a yes or get a no. I talked about this at Wedding MBA, and I had a wedding band who tried. His subject line was, where we're going, we don't need roads. Do you know what the reference is? Not really. <laughs> it's the movie Back to the Future. Oh, okay. So that's the line. Now, I don't think it offends anyone. Right? I don't think it's an offensive line. Uh, but where we're going, we don't need roads. Same, similar beginning. His first, you've chosen another band, bullet point. Second choice, um, you, you got really busy. Yeah, you got really busy and you're so glad that I reached out again because you still want to talk to me about being your band. Number three, you're still busy but want me to reach out again in two weeks because you'd like to speak to us. And number four, Doc screeched into your driveway in his DeLorean and after whimsical time traveling adventures, you're stuck in 1955 without access to email. Okay? So with a little bit of humor. He sent it to three couples. All three couples responded that they still wanted to speak to him. If you are giving up after one attempt or two attempts, you are leaving real money on the table. Because remember what we started with. They took the funnel. The top of the funnel was every photographer that could possibly do their wedding, filtered it down, filtered it down, or Tinder, swipe left, swipe left, and until they were left with a very short list and you were on it. 
don't take yourself off of it. Let them take you off of it. Let them tell you no, but don't take yourself off by not being a choice. So I started to give you the menu analogy. Advertising is putting yourself on the menu. Right now, right now, right, as we're speaking, as somebody's listening to a recording of this, somebody is on Wedding Wire or The Knot or a site like that looking for their wedding photographer. They opened the menu. You're either a choice or you're not. And not only can you be a choice, you can move yourself up to featured or to spotlight to be today's special, right? To, to be, you know, like the waiter telling you all about this special that they have. That's the spotlight stuff. Or the featured is that box that says our most popular things, right? But think about menus. Why do they do that? When you look at a restaurant you've never been to and you open the menu and it says, these are some of our signature dishes, you're like, well, if that's what they're known for, I guess I should 100%. get that, right? Yeah. So use those, look outside of your industry for these ideas. That's what I do. That's why I love using the analogies because you understand that analogy because you can relate to it. You have framing on that. So yeah, I've sat in a restaurant, I've opened the menu and I was thinking mahi mahi, but there's no mahi mahi, but oh, there is Chilean sea bass. All right, I'll get that. You choose from what's on the menu that day. So don't take yourself off the menu. Try at least five times before you give up. You have some time now to go back. New inquiries are still coming in now. Inquiries that happened over the past couple of months that might have gone quiet, reach out and say, hey, how you guys doing? You know, it's a crazy time now. They respond to you, oh, we're doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Have you guys put the wedding planning on hold or you're still, you know, still moving forward, right? Ask a mm -hmm. question. Ask, ask a question, <laughs> question mark send. Let's get the shine out for that. Question mark send is what that says. But that's what you need to do, ask a question. You just start asking questions on emails that fit on one screen of a phone, by the way, because if the question is below the fold, if I have to scroll to see it, I didn't see it, right? So put that question right there. Don't bury the question. You'll find you're getting response. I did a webinar for a group of DJs uh, what was it in, in Ireland? Uh, no, sorry, in the UK last week. And the guy that was running this had referred them. You know, I wasn't talking about my books. You know, yes, I'm telling you guys where you can get them and all that. But and I, of course, I have them here. That's marketing. <clears throat> but this one guy went on Amazon UK and bought a couple of my books. And he wrote to me yesterday to tell me this this tip, this asking a question tip. He's made two sales now that he said, I don't think I would have had them because the way I was responding before, I was getting ghosted. She responded, I responded again, another question, responded again, another question. Next thing you know, I have a sale. And he gave me two specific examples of how it worked for him. It's such a simple tip and it's so powerful. Mm, I can't wait to send you an email, you know, telling you how many weddings I booked thanks to this tips. <laughs> That's right. And selling from the top down, how many weddings at higher dollars. Exactly, so good. Alan, you are, uh... So you have so much knowledge. You're very well known in the industry. I cannot, I mean, I'm so grateful that you took the time today to talk to us, talk to my audience, to give us such great tips that we can all start implementing today, right now, right. as soon as we get that new, you know, inquires. So thank you so much for your generosity. I want to give you one more tip. Sure, tell me. You know why I'm here? Tell me. Because you asked. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> If you don't ask, the answer is always no. So there you go. That's, a, that's, that's your sales tip for the day. If you don't ask for the sale, the answer is always no. Um, and you asked early, which is good because I'm getting so many requests now. I'm having to say no to a lot of people because I'm not getting anything done over here. But you asked early? Yes, the answer is go. yes. You see the answer it. is yes. <clears throat> so, Fantastic. Uh,
Thank you so much for inviting me. No, thank you. I know you have mentioned several places where people can yeah. find you, but let's just run them up here on sure. one sentence. Where could people go to get to know more about you and the things that you have going on? Uh, my website, allenberg.com. So A-L-A-N-B-E-R-G.com. That'll have links to the webinar I spoke about, 10 proactive things you can do now to lean in. There's a resources page. There's a link to my shop. So if you want to buy a paperback book in the States, have me sign it. You, you buy it over there. If you prefer um, Kindle or Audible, you can go to Amazon or Audible for that. Y también mis libros disponibles en español. Muy bien, muy bien. No en audio, no en audio. Sodio en bocío en Kindle. Muy bien. Bueno, thank you so much for your generosity. It was a pleasure having you and I hope we can, you know, do any other episodes in the future. And I hope you're still safe during this pandemic. And if you are listening to this podcast, uh, thank you so much for doing so. And I'll catch you very soon with another amazing guest. Until then, ciao. ciao. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes, please visit thetogrepublic.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Want even more? Join our marketing community group. Just search for the Tog Republic Group on Facebook. Until next week. Thank you.